Hey everyone, welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela and I have an emotional hangover. What, what, what? I bet you can guess which day we're recording this, but it's okay. We're having a good time. Um, I am very excited to be here with my lovely co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Hey everybody, good to be here in the digital space. <laughs> He's in the digital space. He's now uh, darkened his lights. It looks like we're speaking to him for witness protection. It is yep. fantastic. I am loving Wit-sec. it. Yep. It's very erotic. It's sexy, yeah. That's what happens and- when you watch so much true crime. They uh, they put a watch on you. <gasps> That's true. And with that sexy watch energy, could you please read our uh, our, our clarity statement? Clarity That's statement. That's the thing. We're doing it. <laughs> Welcome, guys, to the 12 Questions Podcast. We're a podcast where we believe growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with NA, AA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions podcast has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview guests about their own life experiences. Although some of our people may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Yay! I am so excited for today. This podcast has been a long time coming because I have talked to this guest about being on the podcast a couple of times. Then we had a a hot Twitter exchange where we talked about it. And so I'm very excited to welcome our guest and all our guests introduce themselves just in case uh, they want to be uh, anonymous Who are we speaking with today? Do your own fucking job. I'm not going to say my name. You, oh, no. shut up, Jeff like, May. You do, you <laughs> say something nice about me. God damn it. Hey, <laughs> you're a delight. Hey, it's me, a professional voice on the internet, Jeff May. Yes, uh, Jeff yeah. May from all the Unpops fames. Uh, all the, so many Unpops. Uh, all so many Unpops fames. Um, he uh, from from Sideshow Collectibles. Right. Um, I think you've done. Well, gosh, what else have you done, Jeff? You've done um, Tom and Jeff watch Batman on the Gamefully Unemployed Network. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many shows. It's you know when people make fun of white people for having podcasts. You're that guy. I'm the punchline mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. Except my bills are paid. So like, I'm like sort of the realization of that, where it's just like, oh, this thing that we all make fun of, I pay rent with that. So it works. We're gonna have to pick you a brain about the paying rent part with that. <laughs> it's all you got to do. And this is okay. very easy. Okay. Is you have to work for about seven years for free. <laughs> oh, so st- oh, so it's stand-up. Oh, yeah, it's okay. stand-up. So it's, no, it's, it's very simple. Yeah. It's all you have to do is build a base. Yes. And uh, get lucky enough that your first ever podcast is listened to by about 50,000 people. Okay. And then Easy from peasy. there, just snowballs. Just snowballs. I love that. Um, that that sh- cracked bump that we got on Unpops for that first episode, I was just like, oh, damn. Is this like this all the time? And then I found out, no. Nope. <laughs> um, Hard no. Yeah. And then, and then find, a, find a corporate company that fits your very specific niche of entertainment mm-hmm. and have them ask you to do a podcast out of the blue. I guess. Okay. Was, okay. Okay. So... It's weird. Dave needs a record collector podcast, and then I need to be right. asked 
to uh, yell about um, John Scalzi books and or um, The Expanse, both series, book, and and television show. Because that's where I flex my nerd nuts. And also anime. (laughs) I I will put this out there, though, is like a niche podcast, like an Expanse. Is there an Expanse podcast? Oh, there there has to be, yeah. I was going to say, if there isn't and you do it or you do it with a unique twist, Mm. you will get a lot of people that are fans of that show listening. Thomas Jane will come on the show. Wow. He won't. But wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. I thought he was going to make out with me in 2007 once, and it was a very interesting situation. Did well, you, were you down? I probably would have. It was 2007 San Diego Comic-Con in his hotel room for the Mist uh, party. Okay. Because they were having a party with all the Mist people. And uh, he was, uh, as I was informed later, uh, using substances and he right. was like speed walking around his hotel it was like a suite you know hotel suite and then like i was like a friend of a friend so i didn't want to get in the middle and like be in the way <laughs> you don't want to be in the tall. mush pot of this of the coked out pacing <laughs> well i'm just i'm too big to be a guest of a guest and stand in the middle of a room because it's like ah. you feel like a beacon of who the fuck is that like just a big shining ah. flagpole of of like, i don't belong here yeah so i just hung out like kind of on the sides and I guess I kind of looked like security <laughs> so he's like doing laps around this fucking room and then he just stops and stares in my face for like it couldn't have been more than six seconds but six seconds of unbroken eye contact from the Punisher feels like six hours fucking, yeah. it felt so long and then when he left uh, <laughs> my friend who brought me was just like I thought he was going like, to kiss you or something I was like I was Woo. ready to go I was like, am I going to have to make out with the Punisher? Fucking let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And then everybody who's got a Punisher a logo on their trucks would uh, implode. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine? Also, by the way, side note, Punisher fans, I, I obviously I work in the comics realm, in the, in, the, in the nerd realm, but I do not understand Punisher fans at all. I never get it. I'm like, oh, you're not like a good person. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever someone's like a big fan of the Punisher, I'm always like, "Oh no, it's, you're like a you're like a bad guy." It's like real cop energy, you know what I mean? It's it's vigilante energy <laughs> yeah. at its absolute highest because there's no truth, justice kind of a, a thing to it. It's more like murder. It's like Hammurabi's law of murder. It's yeah, fucking bananas, man. Yeah, I used but to. I, I, I used stories. to. I used to have a bit that I did about the Punisher, but I think like too many people touched on the same punchline. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, I like the Punisher uh, because he doesn't really have any superpowers. Like his only superpower is PTSD. So that's yeah, right. Like, it's right. like Batman's Batman's power being rich. <laughs> yeah, he has to make that joke. So then Zack Snyder's like, "Fuck it, I'm putting it in my movie." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love this. Uh, Jeff, you're a delight, and we are so happy to have you. And we're going to get into these questions. I'm very excited because I think before we get into the questions, though, we should probably talk a little bit about my experience with. um, Oh, yeah. Jeff's a a snowflake. He's a substance abuse unicorn. (laughs) Especially because of how I look. Yeah. Everybody, like, I assume that I have, like, people assume that I have a PBR on me at all times. I have a very, I have a very drunk uncle from Massachusetts vibe. Yes, um, that I carry with me. But the thing about it is, is I do, not, I do not drink. I've had alcohol once in my life, uh, I, and that was uh, when I was thirty-three years old. And it was essentially because I was just like, "What am I waiting for?" 
Oh. Like I was just like I had a streak going, but I had kept a streak for thirty three years. Yeah. Of no alcohol, and then I did it for a stand up show called Performing Under the Influence. Oh. You can read about it in an article by Adam Todd Brown in Cracked. Uh, some point in wow. time, you can, you can find it. Uh, and I had a lot of whiskey. It was a bad experience, a purposefully bad experience. Um, my goals were to not want to ever do it again. You started with whiskey? Mm-hmm. A lot of whiskey. That's had, very uh, you. In the course of an hour, because you do a sober set, then you get drunk and you do a drunk set like an hour later or something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be drunk. You could do Coke or LSD or whatever. So what I did was immediately after my set, I had four double shots of of Jameson and mm-hmm. three Jameson and Diet Cokes maybe. I had what was essentially seven or eight drinks in an hour. Oh. And it was a problem. Yeah. It was a real problem. Did you eat? I was. Yeah, but like not like I think there's pictures of me chewing pizza, but not remembering how to swallow it. <laughs> oh no! Um, look, it was funny. It was like a good, like anything for a bit. Like it was a good bit, but, but not something you want to do again. No, I mean I might. I made a promise. Um, I made a promise to my partner at the time that if the Red Sox won the World Series in 2018 that I would get drunk with her. And we, we it was never cashed in. Yeah. Um, so that's still technically on the table. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm not... Like, I, I don't... It didn't appeal to me. The, the thing doesn't appeal to me. All alcohol tastes like shit to me. Yeah. Like, it all tastes the same. Like, okay. you could give me wine, gin, whiskey, and vodka. To me, they all will taste pretty much the same, which is that, like... It's like I'm drinking rubbing alcohol. Yeah. It's foul to me. Yeah. It's delicious. I, don't like it. <laughs> I know. See, just, I like, was like, seven whiskeys? Yeah, you partying like me. <laughs> here's, here's, here's something to know about me is I grew up very heavy. Mm. I, grew up very, I, I grew up very heavy, and I do have uh, I, not so much a food addiction as I have an eating disorder called compulsive overeating. Which means I eat as if it's a conveyor belt. If there is food in front of me, I eat it until it's gone and it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, if I know there is certain foods in the house, I will eat them fully to completion. I've eaten sticks of butter or entire jars of olives or, you know, like I will just, I'll eat until I cannot eat anymore. Wow. Uh, or excuse me, I will eat until the food is gone. Okay. Past, like past the point where you're full, yeah. but to the point where you're, going to be sick from just eating so the purge zone (laughs) yeah yeah but so that being said i've always been i don't fuck with acquired tastes okay i don't drink coffee either because coffee tastes like shit (gasps) well you did not like coffee the first time you had it shut the fuck up nobody liked coffee i did come on okay so i had coffee for the very first time when i was 12 years old and my dad, because Latinos just are like, whatever, we're short anyway. It's not going to stunt You got to get to work. Yeah, you got to get to work. You got to get to the, you got to get to wherever you're going. Um, yeah. And so my dad handed me a cup of coffee with, um, at the time, coffee made Amarato creamer. So not actual booze Amarato, fake Amarato. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> I- 
I genuinely stand by the fact that I don't think people, I think people misremember their first coffee experience because mm. coffee tastes like you're drinking like a tree. Like mm. it's this mega bitter, mm-hmm. like foul, but it's, it's like a shot in the ass. Like it, it's a B12 shot in the ass. Mm. I don't, I don't, I don't fuck with coffee. Um, I generally just kill energy shots because it's essentially this. I know they're gross, but it's a tiny amount. Yeah. It's a tiny. He, he comes in talking shit about coffee and it's like, have you tried this shot of chemical? I <laughs> used to do thing. that. I used to do that when I worked the night shift at the at the rehab. I would do, have a couple of 7-Eleven coffee and a five hour energy, baby. <laughs> I call five hour energy poison. Yeah. It's what I call it. I say it's poison. I'm like, I need to get poison because I know it's not good for me. The problem is, is I'm not going to drink a fucking Red Bull. I'm not going to drink coffee because they all taste awful. And if a Red Bull tastes bad and a five hour energy tastes as bad, but I. You just get it in a, a shot. It's, a, it's an eighth of the amount mm-hmm. that I have to suffer through. Like, I'll just, I'll have that. I totally recognize that. But like, it, I, if. Go ahead. It makes sense. Like it, it, it your, your logic is there, but I, I don't, like I don't know if you know this, but like replace all the things you've described with drugs and alcohol, and it's the exact same thought process. Exactly. People oh, sometimes only way. drink. Some people only drink hard liquor because they think booze and uh, b- beer and wine taste shitty, and but they want to get fucked up, but they want to do it with less liquid. It, it's mm-hmm. it's the same across the board. It's the same thing with me and drugs, where it's like replace butter and snacks with uh, mushrooms and nuggets of weed. I'm gonna do it all over the mm-hmm. house until they're gone. Yeah, I have recently had. I've, I've, I've experienced, uh, I was going to say marijuana like I'm a cop. Uh, I, I experienced Can- I cannabis. Took I took cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, devil's grass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little, the, the old, uh, the old jazz cabbage. The old jazz Funny cabbage. Lettuce, you know what I mean? A little yeah. tobacco. I had uh, edibles uh, for the first time um, a few weeks ago. Uh, so, pretty much like I was, I was pretty much 39 years old. The first time I ever had an edible and I had it and I, I was just like, oh, so this just makes me like really tired. And then I was like, well, life does that, too. So, like, I'm pretty good without this. Yeah. So I, I've had I've had edibles maybe four times total Okay. in my life. And I was just like, eh. you've been experimenting since I met you. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of it is because I've had a streak going mm, on mm-hmm. and there's this sort of. And I you hate to say it because it's like I'm referring to it as maturity that I've that I'm like, oh, let's have some alcohol or let's have some weed or something like that. But there is sort of this whole like, well, why are you not doing that? And it's just like, are you not doing it just because you have a streak going on? That's kind of fucking stupid. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I still don't drink and I'm not going to. Like, I didn't enjoy the situation. I don't enjoy the taste. So there's no benefit to it. I like being in control of myself. Oh, I was just going to suggest you should try some mushrooms or some acid, but that's not going to work for you if you like being in control. I mean, <laughs> agreed. Like I remember <laughs> I cuz I took I took the edible and the person I was with, I was just like it like after it had set in and I was sitting there and it was silly and I just went, "So wait, you do this every day?" Like I was blown away mm-hmm. that people just do that every day. And I was like, "How do you get anything done?" That's the point. Well, I, and I that's was blown away. 
Well, and that's why, like, we're happy to have you as a guest, because oftentimes in the the world of recovery, people say this statement or something similar, which I don't know how normal people deal with this or that, or Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it'd be like to not have this brain that I have to try to kill emotions and feelings. But, like, everybody's got something. And and the questions that we have lined up for you will show us basically someone who doesn't really have drug or alcohol issues, but you're a human being. And that's kind of what we do here at the podcast. It's like these questions are human questions, but they we just so happen to be in recovery. So that's that's what they're framed as. That it, and it is fascinating, too, because I, I went through the questions and, and 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 it's interesting that a lot of them don't necessarily apply to me, but I have a feeling I knew you guys were going to uh, rock out how to make that happen, but like I am a lot like that with food. Mm. I have I have a food addiction. I have a sugar addiction, um, and and it was a problem. It was a problem for me as a child, and it still is. I, I gained when quarantine started. I gained something like eight pounds um, within like a month and a half because I gave myself permission to not be active and to eat like trash and i and that was wrong you shouldn't have you love fast food in a way that is um it's spiritual (laughs) i'm telling you man i i i i would fuck with burger king all day i I would go with burger king before i even went to in and out Uh, we're gonna fight now now we're gonna fight in and out is oh, in and out is so overrated. It might as well be called. I agree, burger. Jeff. We could we could be we could be friends again. Um, okay. But here, host, here. you don't know how to order. That's your fault. All right, all right. Put put the hoop earrings away. Like it's not it's not that big. I don't a know thing. how to order. I'd love to. T- I'd love you to tell me what one of the four things I'm ordering yeah. wrong that yeah. In and Out ordered. Should, a- should I cover it in Thousand Island dressing and onions yeah. every time? Yeah. I, yeah. Don't get me should wrong. I- I'll eat it and it's enjoyable, but yeah. it's not my favorite. Should double, I tell double, them to and- Animal style, chopped chilies, fries well done, extra salts. Okay, so that's exactly the order. That's exactly my order at In and Out, mm-hmm. and it's overrated. <gasps> a Whopper yep. is a better tasting burger than that. So, no! Yep. And I fully understand. I don't like people... the smell of a Whopper. I'm like, because it's got that fake grill. <laughs> no, that's real. They run it through. They run it through the but thing. They got that. T- anyway, 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 Jeff. Before we all start fighting about fast food. No, I don't want to stop talking about what food right now. I want to talk about, This is now a Burger King podcast. This is a no. Burger King podcast. You will well, surrender. No, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm going to frame that first question because I, th- I think I've picked up on some, like, something about you. But like, how do you experience surrender uh, in regards to fast food? If fast food is your thing, when you're doing too much of it, how do you experience the surrender that's involved with like, not, like mitigating that? Well, I think my my move is that I, I have to set specific rules for myself about fast food and my diet in general. So we, we say fast food, but it, it's not just that. It's it's the food that I have at home. It's it's what I keep around. So so I am avoidant. Like I remove myself from that situation and I try to avoid fast food at all times or I'll set rules for fast food. Uh, and there, I have a soda rule, which um, has really been helpful uh, mm-hmm. this year, which is I only drink soda at the movies. It's the only really? time I will ever allow myself to have soda. 
Uh, I'll have a Dr. Pepper at the movies. And so that's the closest thing I can do is like I go to the movies and I allow myself that cheat. But with fast food, I kind of have to remind myself to just never go. <laughs> like I don't really binge. Like it's very rare. Mm. And if I and if I will, it won't be something like Burger King. Yeah. Because I like it so much. It'll be I'll get one thing at like Taco Bell. Because I know that that's an easy, small thing to go after mm-hmm. as sure. opposed to, man, I'm, I'm telling you, like when I was in high school, it was two double Whoppers. I was a big boy in high school. And I, I, to, I was I big and bigger in high school, too. I used to eat like a lot of Jack in a Box Oof, once ooh, I had yeah. access to it. Yeah, but yeah, I was using the, drugs. That's the oh, ultimate that's fast food for drugs so, and alcohol. <laughs> but before drugs and alcohol, uh, the bullies used to call me bitch tits. That was a favorite of mine. <laughs> so, so I'll put it this way. I am 39 years old, and I am about 200 pounds roughly. I'm six foot four, maybe a little over 200 pounds mm-hmm. at this point in time. I'm a big dude. Um, my waist now is smaller by about four inches than when it was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if that gives you sort of an explanation of how big I, what, you know, when I was five, six, mm-hmm. um, my waist is, is significantly smaller. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, you know, when, when quarantine started, I was about two thirty, six four, two thirty. Now I'm back down to two Oh two. So, I mean, I, wow, I have a tendency, I have a tendency to, uh, also let myself go. Uh, and throw because it's comfort. Uh, you know, it's 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 eating ba- uh, quote unquote bad food. It, it's comfortable. It it, it 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 initiates that same pleasure feeling in mm-hmm. my brain that drugs and alcohol did with uh, euphoria. Same as with me purchasing things or or collecting things. Like there's that that dopamine that's released. Mm-hmm. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. There, Everybody knows Anna got that vape unlock. <laughs> There's a, there's biology behind that. There, there's because uh, th- I, I was I, I graduated. I was a history teacher for ten years, by the way, before I did comedy. But um, I have a biology minor, and one of the things uh, that I learned in evolutionary biology is the reason that we have an addiction to fattening foods mm-hmm. is because we're still in survival mode physically. Like mm-hmm. our brains have evolved so much faster than our bodies that our bodies are still craving things that make us fat because we never know when we're going to eat next. Right. So like by eating high fat, high salt and high sugar foods that add fat tissue, we're telling our body that we're going to help it survive. So mm-hmm. it rewards us with those feelings, Yeah. which is why replacements like something like Diet Coke or sugar-free candy or something like that has no satisfaction to it. Yeah. Yeah, it does nothing for me. Except I, diarrhea. Yeah. I I, lo- I love me some squirts. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> ooh, okay. Uh, <laughs> now, as far as, like, your journey of, like, self-growth, because we've talked a lot about, you've had a really interesting year. <laughs> you had a I really sure interesting have. year. Um, yeah. Like, What's been sort of your most insane moment in your growth process? I know you're getting a little therapy now. You're you're okay. getting to know yourself. Like, what's been your most insane moment? Okay. So, in early August, my life sort of changed very drastically. I didn't handle quarantine well. And I, I it kind of, everything crashed down. And, and I uh, had a real big blowout with my partner. And... Uh, 
I understand that quarantine was not good for any relationship. Like, I get it. But also, like, I started (laughs) to realize after the fact, it's like, oh, you've been like, you meaning me, I've been like, oh, I've been like an asshole because I can't be near people. And I'm getting very angry. I'm getting very angry at the world. And the only person I can vent it on is the person right next to me. Mm. So everything that's a perceived slight Everything that where the person does something that's like a tiny bit shitty, I will reply as if I have been shot by this person mm-hmm. and or or just like trade barbs back and forth. And I realized I was like, oh, so I'm making myself unlikable and I'm not liking this person right now. Mm-hmm. So when that sort of dissolved, I went home and started to think about all of the things that I've told myself I can't do. And I've made excuses for, and there's there's a handful of them. Uh, I have I'm riddled with ADHD, so Me I too. cannot. I I can't sit and read. Oh. So like reading reading prose is very hard for oh, me. Okay. Uh, I just I drift. So like every page mm-hmm. and a half, I'm like, oh shit, I got to go back and read again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm very disorganized. I'm not neat, and so I always tell myself like I can't have a clean room because it's not how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a functioning person. It doesn't matter if I have stacks of books in the corner. It's fine. And then the other thing was because my nose was broken in boxing, I always said I can only run a mile. That's my max running is I can run one mile and then my I don't get enough oxygen and I fail. So what I did is I immediately started saying, well, fuck you. You're going to do all the things you said you can't. So I started cleaning my room. I started reading uh, and I started running. And so now every morning I run a bare minimum of a 5K. Wow. Um, So I run a 5K almost every morning. Sometimes I have to take a little rest because you're like, yeah, those knees are 40 almost. Yeah, so. be nice to your knees and back. Trust me, I'm not allowed yeah. to run anymore and I miss it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I set a goal where I have to read at least uh, one book every week and a half. Nice. And um, I make my bed every day and I clean my room uh, every two days. Nice. So I make sure it's there. And what that was is that was an assault on the person that I thought that I had to be or the thought or the thought that I was limited to be. Yeah. Now, I thought that by doing that on my own that I was fixing those problems within myself and making myself a better person. Mm-hmm. But what I was not doing was pursuing uh emotional health. Mhm. I was not pursuing mental health. I was I was sort of like challenging myself. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can do this. You can do this mud run. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it's like you need to fucking face the facts that you've been an asshole and you need to talk about it. Mm. And so that's um, so I had thought that I things had been healed and then um, had another blow up at one point in time and was like, oh, no, no, no. I need to go to therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I've started going to therapy as well. Like I use um, the BetterHelp app. Nice. I see my therapist once a week. Uh, I write in my therapy journal every other day. And I'm just trying to to not be an asshole. Because I know I'm not. But sometimes mm-hmm. I think I've been acting that way. So yeah, it's been a bit of a journey. And it's really been just like a big two months. Yeah. From like, uh, or you know, the, from the beginning of August to essentially now the beginning of November. Um so three months it's been me just fixing my problems because i need to i also was doing things like getting my finances in order getting my taxes taken care of getting my credit fixed like all the shit that i have said 
was a problem. Mm-hmm. I was just like, well, now it's not going to be a problem anymore. It sounds like you're in the midst of learning how to make decisions and rapid decision making. Like, what is that process for you? It's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I also know my weaknesses. So I have friends that I'm that are really good at certain things mm-hmm. that I'll say, hey, one of my weaknesses is that I have a hard time doing this. Can you help me with it? Mm-hmm. Um, which I... I never felt comfortable asking for help. I never felt bad hiring people mm-hmm. to help. Like if I have a friend that makes websites, I would be like, oh, let me give you whatever you charge and you can just make me a website. Right. But now a lot of it is like being willing to ask my friends and still being willing to pay. But like, can you help me do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm working on it. It's not always, I'm not always successful. But yeah. I just, I try really hard I've always tried really hard to be a good person, Mm -hmm. but now I think I'm trying to be just beyond that of like being a better person, like with it in my like I don't know how to describe it like my making my attributes better instead of just being nice to people. So being a healthier person leading towards being a good person. Yeah, yeah. Healthy is the word that escaped my brain, Dave. Thank you so much. Yeah. (laughs) I think we could all, especially right now, it's so easy to be performatively good, like get on the internet and be like, I have opinions and I'm right and I'm good and you're wrong and you're bad. But like actually living a life that's like, you know, put your money where your mouth is, has been, it's, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And I've I've done a lot of that, I think, in the comedy world. I think, Anna, you know, like, I do have a reputation in the comedy world as being, like, a pretty good dude. Yeah. And that's because, like, for one, I'm not trying to fuck people all the time. Like, so many comedians are just, like, always trying to fuck other comedians. Mm-hmm. And I've dated comedians. But I'm like, hey, maybe you should just have friends. And if they don't want to fuck you, that's just called friends. That's what yeah. most friends are. Yeah. Like, I don't fuck most people. Yeah. And that's like a that's just a numbers game. Like there's a lot of people you're not gonna fuck in this world. So why do you have to be a dick when you can't do it to someone? <laughs> um I try to be I especially am very aware and cognizant of my size and demeanor. Uh and I try to make everyone feel safe and comfortable, unless they're a bad person, and then I don't want them to feel safe at all. Um, but I don't think that that was enough. I think Dave real you really nailed it on the head where I may have been trying to make other people feel good and safe and better while I was ignoring my own personal health. Well, yeah, because it's easy. It's easy when I'm thinking about you, I don't got to think about me. So if I'm worrying about your health and safety, I don't got to think about my own health and safety, which is a lot harder to turn inward and fix the issue. Like I can be physically healthy. Like I can lose weight. I can eat better. I can do that. But, uh, you know, eating good food and, and is not going to make me not angry. And I've, I, I can fuel myself with fucking resentment and anger to get a lot of shit done. Like I, I can... I can I can run on coffee, which is delicious, and anger, which is delicious. I that they, they both feel good to me, you know. And, and so, like when when I'm when I'm going into something, like I can justify my um, my my level of emotional insanity by, well, this is you're helping people, so like you can be angry when really I'm just probably going to have early stomach cancer <laughs> as a result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really you really feel that you're like you know, like this is good and this is like uh I forget what it was. I think it was like Family Guy where it was just like it cut up to someone's brain it was just like I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor. I'm yeah. a tumor, I'm a tumor, I'm a tumor. <laughs> just dancing around, just getting ready to 
That sweet release of rage. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I used yeah. to have like, especially in my early recovery, I would have wild red outs. I would get so mad that I was no longer in control of myself. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm always very cognizant of, of that control. Yeah. But I've been simmering this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. But I, I, I don't handle cataclysm. I don't shut down when a cataclysm happens. I do the opposite where I like, I, I reverse the thrusters and I go the opposite way. Mm. Like the first time I lost, when I lost all my weight, it was because my first girlfriend in high school that I transferred colleges to be closer to oh. broke up with me. No, no, it's fine. Uh, it's fine because it's 20 years ago. Um, but she broke up with me by like October <laughs> that yeah. semester. Like it was like a month in, but I also was just about to start a box. Uh, I joined the boxing team. Nice. I lost 60 pounds in three months because when, when I'm hit with suffering, I find it motivating as opposed to, as opposed to freezing. Now, is it more like get into the solution motivation or is it like I'm a piece of shit and I have to motivate myself to not be a piece of shit motivation. It's mostly the second one. Okay. Where it's just like, all right, well, everything you tried failed. So now what do you do to counteract that? So like, it's sort of like, you know, like all the things you did in that relationship led to failure. Mm. So now we're going to restructure so that you don't do that, all that same shit again. And it's like, oh, also you're kind of fat. Maybe you should start running. And like, oh, maybe you're eating a bunch of bullshit. Maybe you should fix that. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is with my diet, I set rules for myself. It's like, you can have a sandwich for lunch, but after you eat an entire bowl of raw broccoli with shredded carrots on it. Yeah. That was my lunch every day. I had to eat that. (sighs) Shit like a beast. Yeah, I was just going to say, that sounds very regular. Um, In that... Uh, go ahead, Dave. No, but nope. go for it. In that, it sounds like you, you do have a process of self-discovery. What's been like the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself in your in the way that you handle loss and failure? Um, recently, it's um, how quickly it is to break habits. Mm. Um, the, the first big habit that I broke in my adult life was chewing my nails. Uh, I chewed my nails um, my entire life until um, October of 2019. Me too. And then I get get canker sores all the Uh time. I used to get canker sores and my life was miserable. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was such a piece of shit whenever I get a canker sore because my mouth was stinging all the time. And then I stopped doing that. And uh, I haven't, I've had like maybe one canker sore in the past year. And that's mm-hmm. cause I like probably like ate a ton of citrus mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, so breaking those habits and creating new ones like running, running is something that I had always been a, a stumbling block for mm-hmm. me. And now that I do it every day, I like, I, st- I hate it and I love it at the same time. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not a person who's like, Hey, running, it, it makes me feel amazing. I fucking hate it. But when I'm done, <laughs> I don't even think I have the run the runners high, but when I'm done, I feel accomplished. Yeah, and if th- and that feels good. In the program, we would call that contrary action. Ooh, yeah, go on. or acting yourself into like like acting yourself into right thinking. 
Yeah, That's and a hyperbole of that would be that episode of Seinfeld where George just does the opposite of all the shit he's uh, inclined to do, and then he like rises in his company and gets a mm-hmm. beautiful girlfriend just by doing the exact opposite of the shit that he would usually do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, like, I still, there's still a lot about, there's too much me to really shake off and to go backwards on, but you're really nailing that idea of, like, all right, well, like, it was really, like, the reading, the cleanliness, um, and the and the running, those three things, like, harnessing and, and figuring out how to turn those weaknesses into strengths mm-hmm. was really helpful. I, do you feel like boxing has a big part in that for you? Because I know for me in karate, the bilateral motion of of physical activity, um, feeding my brain. I, I, I remember I was hanging out with Fifi Dosh once and she said, um, have you ever read this book? And I said, no. I said, but I love to read. I wish I had the time. And she handed me the book and she said, you have to read. Your brain is your tool. And, and, and how you sharpen that tool is you read. And like... Yeah just um the the parts of your brain that you're lighting up just through all of those activities that's all great for like executive functioning skills depression anxiety release like all that stuff is really positive yeah no i i get it it's it is really one of those things where you're like oh yeah i probably should have been doing like you feel bad when you're middle-aged and you're like i probably should have been doing this for way longer like i've read but like I mean, I'm a big comic book guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I find reading comic books very um, enjoyable for my mm-hmm. brain type. You know, like, the, the I love the visualization. I'm a big fan of art mm-hmm. in of itself. So I love all those different aspects of it. Um, but, you know, reading prose has been different. And reading poetry has been different. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not put on a boxing glove since February. Okay. Um, I... I've done some shadow boxing, some weighted shadow boxing with eight pound weights mm-hmm. um, and occasionally 15 pound weights. Um, I miss boxing, but my boxing gym is like an old school dude from Pittsburgh. And I'm like, pretty sure there's not going to be any COVID safe situation. There. <laughs> You're lucky I, if they mop up the ringworm. <laughs> I drove by at one point in time, like in maybe June and he was, he had a class going None of them were wearing masks, and he had them all out to go for, like, a run around the block. And I was like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not going back there. Yeah. You know, once there's a fucking inoculation for it, maybe I'll go back to your gym. But until then, you can't have my money to kill me. Yeah. It's it's a risk. It's crazy. It's it's sort of like stand-up. Like, I tell people, I'm like, nobody should go to an outdoor stand-up show. Just don't do it. Nobody should go. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, they're my friends' shows. I'm like, don't mm-hmm. go to that. Like, do not go. Like, I understand some friends that need to go do it, and they're being promised money to do it. I understand that you can't turn away, you yeah. know, $1,000 or something like that. I get it. It's but at income. the same time, yeah. like, uh, you know, I hope nobody goes to that. Because, <laughs> like, I would hate, I can't imagine, like, I can't imagine killing somebody yeah. because I was bored. Or because I missed, I missed stand-up. It's like, I miss stand-up too. But mm-hmm. like, COVID has changed it. It's really changed my perspective. Because I was going to do a big push for stand-up this year. I was going to get ready to record an album. Mm-hmm. I had an artist for my album cover already. Like, I had all this shit planned. And the world fell apart. And I was like, I need to restructure. 
that's fine. I don't want anybody coming to stand up, and I will not do it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and that just that that involves uh, you know you got to get honest with yourself on what your intentions are with what you do, whether it be healthy stand up creatively or you know. Uh, you know, how you carry yourself in the COVID world, you know? Um, And it sounds like you've gotten honest with yourself over the past few months with a lot of stuff. Like how honest would you say you are with yourself or with other people around you? It's been, um, I'm much more honest with myself now than I am with people around me because I think sensitivity is at an all time high and no one's around people. So, (laughs) um, sure. You know, every once in a while I, I will be near people and, and you can see the depression. You can see people are upset because they've made decisions that have led them to being in a worse position than they are, than they were beforehand Mm -hmm. or that they are because of the way COVID was. And like, hard truths you know like telling it like it is like now's not the time for that (laughs) i'll do that to myself yeah like like i will i'll be that guy i never understood those guys i'm just being honest i'm just i'm just being honest like Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna be that fucking it's a cop out it's a cop out yeah it's it's it's, i I get to say whatever i want to say with no repercussions right fuck them no i won't do that so there are there are things where like if they're COVID-related truths that, like, are circumstantially, like, like unavoidable, I won't bring it up. But if somebody's, like, being rude, I'll just be like, oh, that's – actually, I, I don't appreciate that way mm-hmm. of speaking to me, and, and I think I deserve better than that. And so I've been a little bit more like that, but it's hard to be that guy with my volume and size, I get it. Because it it automatically comes off as confrontational. I have that energy and I am not as big as you are. (laughs) Like you and I have very similar energy. We have very similar energy. Like real like, are you are you fucking with me? Because if you are, we're gonna have words. Okay. Oh yeah. Like I'm gonna (laughs) beat you to death. Yes. Yeah. And it really comes from a place for me, it's like concrete marshmallow shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm a deeply sensitive person on the inside. And on the outside, I can be gruff, and um, I've dealt with a lot of anger. I love I love people who are angry and who don't like other people that much. Yeah, like they're my favorite people because I get it. I have all that shit in my brain. <laughs> I, am a, I am a like COVID was really bad for me. It's really bad for everybody, but like, and I've I've said this. I, I am a um, I am a uh, you know I have the my body dysmorphia mm-hmm. mixed with compulsive overeating, and you combine that with being an extrovert with massive ADHD, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, this is my fucking nightmare because i am an extrovert i get energy from Mm -hmm. being in crowds one of my favorite things to do in the world Mm -hmm. uh or used to be because back when they were a thing i used to love going to the mall at christmas time and just absorbing the energy of the mall oh that's so smart it it was literally it because i'm a big i'm a i'm like a christmas simp like i fucking love christmas (laughs) and a lot of that has to do with christmas reminds me of like People are gathering together. Yeah, and I fucking love that. I love, all, I love all the shit about. I love buying gifts for people. I love getting gifts. Like it's just a whole like, it's like the competition of like you know. Did you think about me as much as I thought about you this year? Is that a thing? <laughs> but I used to go to the mall back home, back in Massachusetts. I used to go to the Auburn Mall in Auburn, Massachusetts, and I used to just literally. 
You know that scene in Unbreakable? You know that movie, the M. Night Shyamalan yeah. scene? The movie where Bruce Willis goes into the middle of the crowd and he just puts his arms out yeah. and touches everybody? Like, that's my energy mm. for, that's how I get, like, good good energy. And I've lost that. Like, I've lost that group You mentality. know, I felt that loss as well, and I will say this. I also felt some relief because I don't, I can't select for that. And when I'm at comedy shows and open mics, I take in the kind of energy I don't want. <laughs> when, when <laughs> that I'm, I'm sad mics, and tired. <laughs> the, the other thing too is that I'm a natural interviewer. Mm. So like one of my things is I automatically want to engage in a dialogue where you give me information. I get that and mm-hmm. I feed back from that and vice yeah. versa. It's, it's yeah. just a thing I love to do. Um, so whenever I'm at open mics and you might know this, like, I will ask you like, what's going on? Like, give me, there was a while that every time I I would ask people, like, I I need you to tell me two good things that happened this week. Nice. And I would literally make that because I like, I want that. And I want, I want to know that I made somebody reflect on something happy and that it made them feel better. Oh, I'm going to steal that. I'm going to be like, Hey man, what's good? And just start with that. Yeah, well, yeah. that's e- that's an easy question to avoid. You have to be specific because what's mm. going to be like, nah, man, it's, it's, it's all good. You have to be like, what's something great that happened this week? Oh, and that specific question, and I forget where I learned that. It was like one of those. I think it was from a book called QBQ. It was called like the question behind the question, and it was one of those like how to succeed as a person books that I just really loved. And I think it was that where you go above and beyond just a little bit no matter what, including yeah. in personal interactions. Huh. And so I do love asking that question of people. And I kind of fell off of it because I haven't been around people. Hmm. So so does not being around people uh, give you a little bit of anxiety? Because that, that leads to our next question. Like, how do you experience anxiety? Like, I know an extrovert experiences anxiety different from an introvert. So how do yeah. you experience anxiety? So not seeing people is sort of like I'm the battery off the charger. Mm-hmm. You know, you ever have like a like an uh, an electric toothbrush that like you can get maybe 18 seconds out of it before it just kind of like dies. Like that's that. So anxiety for me, for one, if anybody thinks I I suck, like I have that anxiety at all times. Like I can't. The idea that somebody wouldn't like me is makes me terribly anxious. Like, I will, I leave places and I know who doesn't like me. Hmm. Like, I'll, I, I've, I've had group, I've had interviews on my, on my Sideshow podcast where I'm like, you didn't like me when we first met, did you? I just had, I just had uh, a comedian, Mike Lawrence, very funny, did my mm-hmm. show. Um, and that show's episode's about to drop. And I said, we met, we met at, at, at a comic shop. Uh, comedy club we met at nerd melt and we argued over the daredevil tv show and i was like i left there and i didn't stop thinking about how you probably hate me like that's the the highest level of anxiety that i have i'm also i have anxiety for the people that don't look like me because i kind of you know i'm going through life on easy mode like uh, you you get it dave because you're a big you're tall right Mm-hmm. You're a big dude. You're a tall. You're, you're a white guy. <laughs> it's a guy. tall cast. 
<laughs> I think you're a straight. Are you a straight? Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a cisgendered white straight pig. Dude, my life is so fucking easy. And I can't fathom what it's like to be anything else. I can't fathom. I don't know what that's like. So I get anxious for the people that are like, oh, like Dave and I can go walking anywhere whenever we want and we'll pretty much mm-hmm. be fine. Anna, you can't. No. And that terrifies, like, that Mm -hmm. makes me anxious, too. Where I'm like, I wish I could just be like, maybe this is like the comic books talking, where I'm like, why can't I be Batman? Like, why can't I prevent people from getting harmed? Dave was uh, very sweet yesterday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put him on front street. I told him I was going to go oh pass boy. out water and snacks at uh, at the poles with, that have long lines. And he was so sweet. And he said, just make sure you bring some pepper spray in case anything happens. And it was completely safe. But I did appreciate that. I was like, I, uh, thanks. <laughs> I, I have um, somebody I know was working the polls last night. Mm-hmm. There was an altercation. And I was like, oh, I'll be right there. <laughs> I'm that person too. I'm like, okay, hold on. Let me just put yeah. my sports bra on. Yeah. I'm gonna stretch my hip. <laughs> try to keep try to keep this monster there for 18 minutes. I'll be right there. Yeah. I'm bringing my brass knuckles just in case, but I will make sure this man is not a problem. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably bad too. Like, because I was a bouncer when I was a teenager. If you mm. want to cut back to you know being around alcohol, you know I was a 19 year old bouncer. At a local club. Whoa. The reason I got the job is because... Boston, so, come on. <laughs> you want to hear how much of a piece of shit I was as a teenager? Remember that girl that broke up with me? Mm-hmm. The first girlfriend? I found out she was using a fake ID to get into a local um, club. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny? No. If I no, you worked there so she couldn't go. Oh, you narc, you cop, you cop narc. I needed a summer <laughs> job and I thought that was really funny. Like I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I still think it's kind of funny. It's an asshole move. But, like, I got a job for, like, summers and winters for three years. Whenever oh. I was home from college, they nice. would just give me work. <laughs> like, And I could do it because I was also a, a workaholic mm-hmm. during um, college. So I, I would work, you know, in the mornings I would work as a camp counselor. And then I would go to Foot Locker. And then I would go to the club and work. Wow. So I was working from 8 a.m. till 2 a.m. minimum every day. Oh my god! Uh, or or minimum like four days a week. Yeah. Um, but like I literally got that job because I was like, well, I have the time because I my ten a my ten p.m. to two a.m. is open. Um, it seems like it would be cool, and also it would be like a fun trolling move for the girl who broke my heart at the time. Did you ever see her there? No. Somebody got wind. They got wind. Ah. <laughs> it would have been S- funny, though. Spite will make you do a lot of things. <laughs> a spite job. Trust me, I, 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 I say this with all respect. You, you, all your character traits remind me of a lot of the ones that I have, but no different than any alcoholic or drug addict that I've ever met. So, like, count yourself lucky that that uh you have what i have friends that uh you know had a alcoholic father or like a parent or something and that's made them stay away from alcohol so not necessarily that you know they don't have that gene but they they just they don't turn the switch on mm-hmm. which is you know that's that is uh, it's something i've i've just uh, like felt about like 
how you've traveled through life, you know, and, and it, it is it is a hundred percent with all respect. But you do you do sound like minus the alcohol and drugs, like a lot of the journeys that I've heard in twelve step rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. I think I think too that that also speaks to the human condition, and that exactly. a lot of us have a lot of those things um, that happen. My I don't my dad was not much of a drinker at all. My dad did not drink beer. Um, the only times I ever remember my dad drinking anything was at the local Chinese restaurant that we would go to every once in a while. He would get um, a Suffering Bastard, uh, which was a, apparently an alcoholic drink, and then um, every once in a while a mudslide. Oh, wow. That Partying. was it. Partying. And my grandfather, my grandfather didn't drink either. So it was sort of just, but my decisions were never related to that. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. I always felt like I just paid attention in health class mm-hmm. when they were like, "Alcohol is going to fuck your life up if you try it." So maybe don't. And I was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that to heart." And I did. Wow. Like I'd had a sip of beer as a kid, and I was like, <sighs> "I make the same face with alcohol." You give me a sip of alcohol, and it's like <sighs> every time, <laughs> it's the same face. Yeah, I mean, I think we all make that same face, but then we're like, mm. it's so foul. <laughs> it's such a foul taste to me. Mm. Yeah. So, so what would you say as, as as a human being experiencing all these changes in self reflection? What, what's what's the character flaw or defect that you've worked on the most? <sighs> Personal empathy as opposed to global empathy. Mm. Um, has been a big issue with me. I have experienced a a large amount of global empathy. Black Lives Matter. Let's take to the streets. Hashtag Me Too. All of the things that I am not a part of Mm -hmm. but want to help, I recognize. Mm -hmm. However, I did not take into consideration how COVID was affecting anybody but me. Mm-hmm. including the people around me. Oh, what are because, you, a comic? That was every comic. <laughs> well, but the, I mean, that's people because, yeah. you know, like, and I have, like, I was donating to all these these ideas. So when I say global empathy, I mean, um, on the macro scale, mm-hmm. I have a ton of empathy. But mm-hmm. on the micro scale, on the personal interactions, I did, I never thought why people were acting the way they were. Mm. I never had the empathy of, of understanding actions and behaviors. And because of that, everything was kind of like an attack or an affront on me. Mm-hmm. Or, um, and so I've recently tried really hard to be more cognizant of other people's struggles, mm-hmm. other people's hard work. Um, I've been much more aggressive in trying to uh, make people feel good mm. about them, even even if they're not going well, how to apologize for my behaviors without trying to qualify that apology. That's yeah. actually, that was the, there was a big thing where I had sent an apology letter um, to my my former partner and said, look, you don't have to even accept this, but you need to know that I'm sorry for this. And I, there was no but, there was no because. Mm-hmm. It was only just, I'm sorry that these were the, this is what I did. And I realize now that this is probably how it made you feel. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That was the letter. I didn't say, it's just that I felt that, like, mm-hmm. and that to me was, I think the biggest thing I've been working on lately is that personal, like, t- 
targeted empathy Mm -hmm. for a person, for an individual, instead of just a group. Yeah. I think that's great. I wish we had more of that. And the fact that you could, like, come to that gives me a lot of hope for the world, you know? Because I feel like a lot of people need to self-evaluate in that way. And it's beautiful that you're capable of it. The... This is the sentence that I've been saying for the past few months, is that... um, these big realizations, these these things, they are, they're ex- these valuable. You know, sometimes it says, "Oh, you learned a valuable lesson." I was like, "Well, it's valuable because it's expensive." Like valuable lessons aren't free; mm-hmm. you have to pay something for them. And for me, I paid uh, in you know a relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I paid in I paid in happiness. You know, I lost those things. I mean, I, I said, I used the word earlier and I purposely chose this word. Um, it was a cataclysm. I mm-hmm. went through a cataclysm in order to reach that. And so I hope that's not what it takes for other people. I hope my words would be enough to say, oh, you better fix this problem before you lose the thing that you care about the most. Yeah. Because it might take that for you to learn this lesson. Yeah, but the unfortunate fact, at least in my experience, is when the when the pain of things staying the same is less than the pain of change, mm-hmm. that's when change happens for me. And that, that has just been a through line through my, my life and my recovery from getting sober to losing relationships in yeah. in a pandemic um, and to re- rekindling relationships. Like, pain is, is, is unfortunately what it takes for me to change. Mm. Not me, yeah. I'm perfect. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> we know. We know. We get it. <laughs> well, with that in mind, like, what is your, what is a thing about yourself? We would call them in the program a character defect, right? Or a, mm-hmm. um, a shortcoming. What is the thing about yourself that you are actively working on right now? Um... I'd say emotional self-control and okay. perspective. Okay. Um, I need to not take everything as personally as I have in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, you are the main character of your own story. Yeah. So when somebody does something that hurts you, it, it is immediately because they are shitty. Yeah. Instead of, you know, we don't make excuses. Well, some people make excuses for people's awful behavior and that oftentimes is a tragedy of abuse. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, my week, there is that sort of like, like sometimes like I'll see like, you know, when I saw, for example, all the Trump supporters, uh, that caravan that were trying to like prevent that. I was like, I want to beat the shit out of everybody in those trucks. Like my immediate reaction is like, I want to fuck you up. Yeah. Um, and that, that, you know, it's dangerous, especially, you know, when you, if I were to punch a random person in the face who was being a, a awful person, like, I could injure them forever. Yeah. That's a problem that yeah. you need to pull out of. I love that. Um, so there's that. And then also self-control, especially in, in diet mm-hmm. and motivation. You know, I need to make sure that I don't eat a pizza every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I screwed up. I just asked you the same question twice and you answered it both times beautifully. So we're keeping it in. Hello. Um, What is your experience 
of, um, you know, this is what I get for calling myself perfect, by the way. Just even as a yeah. joke, I immediately you fucked, fucked up. up. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. Immediately. And this I watched her I and I, I was just like, you go, girl. You, I you fall it. into the hole you just dug. I dig it. I did it. I do these things all the time. I'm very fun. Um, what is your experience of forgiveness? I mean, are we talking pursuit of or the giving of? Both. Both, like forgiving it's, yourself and forgiving those around you. Mm-hmm. That's hard. It's it's very hard. I mean, um, especially now because there are decisions where I have a hard time forgiving people that support Trump. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. Especially a second time around, and I haven't spoken with my father in years. Wow. Because of that, he was abducted by. I mean, my. He, I say he was like, oh, he was a Fox News abduction, but no, he was like a Reaganite, you know, and yeah. he was like a blue collar conservative. Um, but now he's like really, oof, it's rough. Um, so like in that regards, it's hard for me. I do, I forgive people's actions, but it's hard for me to forget. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, well, I can move past this, but it's not like I'm erasing it from my memory. Mm-hmm. Um, forgiving myself is harder. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember every single thing that I did that I know hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. Like from grade school. I carry those with me. And a lot of times, especially when I was younger, I thought everybody was in on the joke. I thought everything was a bit. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, people pick on me, so like I pick on other people. We all have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out that's not the case. And I've actually faced that recently on, in, on Facebook, which I have removed from my phone. Yay! I removed that app from my phone. and Congratulations. I, only, I go on to just promote my garbage shows. Yeah. Where somebody was like, you were really mean to my friend when you were a teenager. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably right. And I'm so sorry. And I regret everything I've said that harmed somebody. And mm-hmm. you don't have to forgive me. Um, but you should know that I am not that person right now. Yeah. That's the thing, too, because that disarms people. Mm-hmm. Like, especially people from my hometown, which is a very Trumpian chunk of Massachusetts. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like, and it's a lot of the same fucking guy that's like, you know, I, you know I'm a landscaper in the summer, and then I get fired and collect unemployment until the summer stats again. Like, it's those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm just like, no, I was wrong. I uh, apologize for that. And, you know, it, I, there's no way I can make it up to you. I can't go back in time and undo that. But just know I'm not that person. And I do everything I can to prevent that from happening in the future. Teaching probably helped a lot with that. Mm. You know, a decade in the classroom gives you a lot of perspective. Yeah. Yeah, because you you see the kids doing it to each other, and occasionally you fuck up too, and you got to model good behavior. Yeah, but so I don't. Not only do I not forgive myself, but I openly give people permission to not forgive me whenever I apologize. I'm like, Mm. you don't have to forgive me. Mm. You don't have to accept this apology. I just want you to know that I'm sorry. I hope you can come to a place where you forgive yourself. Nah. Well, (laughs) I think it's more of a learning thing. Like, I think of it as more of like, <laughs> this, is, this is fucked up. I think of it as like, I killed that old version of me and now I'm a new one. It's, a very, it's more of a metamorphosis. Mm. So like m- high school me, I do not view as me. Okay. I just don't. Like, I recognize and understand that, you know, we are the same person on a different timeline. But I refer to 
high school Jeff as he, not I. Mm. It's very rare that I, I refer to it as like, oh, I did this. Mm. It's when I was like, oh, he, he was like that. Hmm. Which seems a little disassociative. That mm-hmm. seems probably unhealthy. <laughs> I have a feeling that one will change. But I love that yeah. you you openly like apologize to people, and you yeah. you you attempt an amends without ever having to work the steps. Like that's a that's an amends. Like I fucked up. I know that I hurt you. I caused you harm. And how can I make it right? And, and I love that you did that. Have you ever had any weird amends either that you've made to other people or that people have made to you? Or apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. Uh, so, okay. So this is going to, this is weird. This is a weird situation that I've carried with me for a while that when I apologized, it was very strange. Mm-hmm. But um, I think my generation um, was really skewed as to what romantic behaviors are. Because oh, of yeah, we're about the same age, tele- right? Yeah, film and television. Yeah. I'm 39. Yeah, I fucked just a, Yeah, I'm 38. Fucked us so, up. So, <laughs> I would say that our generation almost entirely believes that the height of romance is holding a boombox while Peter Gabriel is playing. Like that's the absolute. Like we were, we were just John Cusack. You know, we were told that that's that's what it is. Like mm-hmm. pursuit is romantic. Mm-hmm. And this crush on a girl. Um, back uh, in high school, we went on one date and we saw Patch Adams, which is like the worst movie to see. I don't know. I saw The Green Mile on a date. But you know what you're getting into with The Green Mile. Patch Adams was sold as a rom-com and then they (laughs) butcher that woman at the end. And you're like, what the fuck? And, And so it just failed. I also, when I'm around somebody that I'm interested in, I get kind of a deer in the headlights look at first because I do not believe anybody would want to be with me that's Mm. just how i believe i don't feel that way so that being said after i lost all the weight and i had reconnected with her and i like started to pursue her and i realized that i had engaged in what some can qualify as light stalking where like (laughs) i would go to her work i would like show up to her work and try to like talk to her when it was like Stuff that I view now as being like, dude, that was inappropriate. You 100% mm-hmm. shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have waited in the parking lot of her work to give her a letter you wrote. That's fucking creepy. But at the time, I thought that was just in your eyes. Like, I, I thought that's what it was. So when we really started, when Me Too started happening, and I started to reevaluate my behaviors with women. Mm-hmm. And um, to be fair not it, it, there's not a lot of violations physically because I'm terrified of women. I'm just mm-hmm. 100% like I'm just like I will not I will not touch you like unless I get the greenest of green lights. You're like uh the Keanu Reeves uh hands photos where he's just like a hand above. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean I'm just I'm general unless I get the greenest of green lights. Mm. Um I will not make a move because I'm terrified of rejection. Mm. So but I, I had sent her this message. She's married now. It's like there's no way it would have wor- worked out, nor would it have been happy if it was the case. Um, she's like kind of a conservative, lives in Connecticut, a lot of money, family, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, I sent her a message on Facebook. Like, I'm so, I, I, I don't know if, you're, if you take this away, but like I think my behavior with you, especially in the early 2000s, was wrong. I, was mis- I misunderstood 
how to pursue or how to read signs or to mm -hmm. understand anything. And I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. And it was funny because she's like, well, I don't remember that at all. And it's fine. And I was like, oh, it was bad. <laughs> I was like, you probably don't, you don't even know. I, I was, it was bad. I was, I was obsessed. You know, I was like, I was like fully infatuated, and I thought that that was how, how you do that. And she was like, "Oh, no, it's fine." You know, I was like, "Is it? You know, Are you sure? Are you sure it's fine?" You're and, delivering and more discomfort than she had originally experienced by apologizing 100%. in that manner. One hundred percent. But it also was something that I needed to say out loud to myself. Like that was an inappropriate behavior. Yeah. Um. <laughs> One rule of thumb that uh, the 12 step uh, program uh, attaches to those kind of things is it's except when to do so would injure them or others. So whenever I go to make an amends, I got to ask myself a question. I say, am I doing this for me only or will me doing this amends or apology injure them or other people? Like I have an ex in my past that the last word she ever spoke to me was do not contact me ever again and i owe her an amends but in order to do that would 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 be to injure her or others like to reach out she's married and this that or the other thing i'm not saying that's your situation i'm just saying in situations where yeah i'm apologizing yeah i i have to run it through that filter you yeah, know if you're listening to this and you're like i'm gonna apologize to everybody right now be hold yeah. on <laughs> I assumed I owed her that apology. Yeah. I assumed, and I assumed that she knew that that was a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wrong. Uh, she didn't give a shit. Uh, which is also, I'm like, you should care about this. I was, I was like, I mean it when I say light stalking. Like, it was weird. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have been in the Applebee's parking lot until midnight. That's fucking weird. Like, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. There could have been a chance that you were so stealthy and that she didn't know. Like that's so to, to the degree of of what you did, she probably was oblivious to that. It's hard she to hijack. She got walked out to her car because there was a dude in the parking lot, and I was that dude. <laughs> I have that information. I had gotten that information. <laughs> When I was like, oh, I just wanted to give you this, you know, this thing I wrote. And then she was like, oh, oh, you know, my, my friend walked me out here because he was like, oh, there's a weird dude in the parking lot. I don't want. So, like, <laughs> noticed. Like, like, and I remember every single detail of that because of what I said earlier where it's like, I remember fucking up. Mm-hmm. You got to like, give yourself a break, it. Jeff. Give yourself a break. Just, like, for, like, one second. I don't want to be in somebody's memory as being bad. I don't think any of us do, but we have no control over it. <laughs> but I'm going to try to control it. <laughs> and with that, me oh, go ahead. The balls on you <laughs> to tell me not to control that. We have no control. That, yeah, uh, that, that's exhausting. Like, uh, it is. I, uh, I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I, yeah. Then you don't drink coffee, so uh, I have no sympathy for you. <laughs> it's fine. Whoa. I've got a fi got a fistful of poison and uh, a lot of resentments. Uh, 
I love it. I love it. What is your day-to-day, you've mentioned this a lot, your day-to-day self-care regimen. Is there anything you've missed in your day-to-day that keeps Jeff May from spinning off the planet? Or is there a spiritual practice that you have? Meditation, prayer, any of that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff? I downloaded the Calm app for meditation, Mm -hmm. and I only use it so I can hear rain on windows while I try to sleep. It's the only thing I, I pay $70 a year. So I can listen to rain on windows or the occasional thunderstorm on their soundscape section. They have so much shit. They got Matthew McConaughey reading you bedtime stories. And I'm like, I'll just have crickets playing. Literal crickets playing. I found myself with the calm app like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the same way. It. Yeah. Um, For me, like exercise is one of those things that I really love. Boxing was transformative for me and I miss it a lot. Um, there isn't a ton of stuff that I like, I have to do. I've gotten much more of like a skin routine where I I put like, you know, a rose water toner on my face before I put on a serum and then the under eye stuff. Um, but that's mostly because I'm a vain creature. You're taking care of your skin though. I swear. How many comedians have I had to say like, oh, you want to be a TV personality? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, you're going to have to like try lotion for once in your damn life. Put some lotion on your skin. Stop it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, there isn't any, like, other than, I think it really is, like, get your ass out of bed and go for a run. And then do some, and do some working out. Like, get some stuff done. Um, It was very easy for me because I used to just roll out of bed, go to the bathroom, and then go for a run. My roommate got a job. So now she has to have the bathroom in the morning. So I can't, I've, like, kind of lost that a little bit of that routine where I have to wait until she's gone. Do the meditation while you're waiting. No, because I have to take a, take a massive dump and I can't meditate when that's happening. (laughs) I eat a lot of dried fruit. And let me tell you, (laughs) very regular. He's very regular morning, every morning, like a sugar Ray song. Every (laughs) morning I have to take just a severe shit. It's a problem. Just but it's not. Whoppers it's and <laughs> whoppers and McRibs and oh, dried I fruit. I wish. I, I well I don't. I haven't had fast food in forever. What I eat generally is like I eat a lot of eggs. I have a protein shake every morning, uh, eggs and like salad and dried fruit. Like I'm a and I had a bowl of grapes before we recorded this. Nice. Like I I can't have bad food in my house. Yeah. Because I will eat it all in one sitting. Yeah. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. Do you have a relationship with a higher power of any kind? No. Oh, I yeah. used to. I used to believe in God, but I think I was lying. <laughs> but I just thought it was like kind of cool, you know. Dave calls really... God Sky Daddy and it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I don't believe in a higher power, which is like I think is and I know it's like obviously if you've been through the program it is what it is, but like No, you don't have to believe in it to be in the program. I always program. feel like with the program yeah. I'm always like, "Ah, that seems like a cop out." Like that part of it seems like I was like, ah, oh, you don't need God to not ruin your life with alcohol, right? You can just not do that without God. Just not be a not be a, a shitty person or not be a person that, that wrecks people around you because you want to be a better person. But I also know pretty much nothing about the program. Dave? 
No, it's uh, you'll never hear you'll never hear me say I'm a I'm a I'm a God guy per se. But I th- I think that word gets thrown around as an all encompassing thing. Where the root for me is what is what it, how do I connect with the universe around me and its people? Like what is the energy through line? What is a, what is a what is a non tangible thing that I can tap into? Uh, and and God is just I say that so you know what I'm talking about, but it it, yeah. it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that thing. Mm-hmm. Like acronyms for God could be good orderly direction, you know. Or for me, I hang out with a group of drunks, and that that is what I turn a lot of my problems and issues over to for guidance in 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 a situation. Like I. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I take counsel with a, a group that's uh, greater than me, meaning that the the collective thoughts of people with more experience than me are sometimes a little bit more uh, accurate than what my feelings and emotions are driving me to do, um, you know. And it's 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 unfortunate that and I, and we talk about it a lot on the podcast is just the god thing and the religion thing keep more people away from 12 step recovery than anything else i would argue and 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 i'm a big I would say second to alcohol well yeah. yes yeah, yeah. i mean and also is, like drugs and alcohol are great yeah. but <laughs> to be fair dis- distant second distant second, second to the alcohol thing but yeah. no i get it i get it like, like oh i'm not I'm, I'm not trying to convince you of what yeah. it means i'm yeah. For someone who it's hard, like for my mom, she can drink a half a glass of plum wine and be fucking shithoused, okay? She can love me to the end of the earth, but she'll never understand what it was like for me to pick up a drink and not be able to stop drinking, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And just the same thing. It's just there's something in me that flips a switch. And if I don't flip that switch, it stays off. So if your thing is fast food... Well, by not eating fast food, you're not flipping that switch because it's hard to turn that switch off once it's on. And that's what alcohol and drugs were for me. So if it means I got to pray to Sky Daddy to not want to kill myself with drugs or alcohol, that's... I was willing to do whatever it took to stay sober, yeah. you know. But then again, different strokes for different folks. Yeah. My experience is not necessarily the only experience uh, that anybody has. And I have stayed sober fucking hating God. And I've been able to stay sober. I am living proof that you could despise the concept and the being and anybody who believes and think they're all dumb idiots and you can still stay sober. I would say that the closest thing to that is sort of like a a morality issue for me where I know that people are watching because it's not not for nothing but like I have a fan base that watches the things that I do. It's not big, it's not massive, it's a few thousand people, but it's a few thousand people across the world that like the thing that I do and they look to me for some sort of um inspiration or sign i post workout videos every day i hate doing it i think it seems incredibly vain but i know that there are people that are inspired to work out because i've gotten their i've gotten their videos i've used your three pound weight workout where you do the 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 the, 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 the holds yeah i fucking hate those we call them uh (laughs) i call them uh we call them the pinks because Mm -hmm. when um when i was training portugal the man how to do that they had pink three pound weights yeah and i was like grab your pinks and they i would literally do those with them to strengthen their shoulders and it's a fucking nightmare but there's 
but I do stuff like that. I am aware that I am in the public eye in some way. Mm-hmm. And I also know that there are people that I don't want anybody to think I'm, I suck. Like we've yeah. touched this several times. So I guess if you want to say the closest thing to a higher power is my belief in other people's perception of me Oof. and how people view at me, how people view me. And I don't want to let them down. That's interesting. I mean, you and I have gotten into well-meaning uh, Twitter argument. It was not even really an argument. It was just you had posted something about somebody left a comment about you that was negative and it made you want to do something like it was just you were reacting to that and i said oh, probably a fan probably i'm guessing a sideshow fan yes i yeah and i said something to the effect of like hey first rule is don't read the comments just don't read the comments and you were like isn't it my business to know what people think of me and i was like it's not it one thing we say in the program is it's none of my business what anybody thinks of me because we'll go down that road and really obsess over what people think of me. But I do think trying to live to a moral standard is good. You know? I, I will say that I don't think the program considers what we do when making that reference, though. Because we are making ourselves uh, a commodity. Maybe. I mean, when, we work in, when you work in entertainment, you are the product. And sure. so. To to a lesser extent, and we could have this argument all the time. Yeah. We can't because I know we have limited time. But I, I do feel like I should know what that is. And a lot of times with those comments, I try to turn them, I try to turn them on people. Mm-hmm. If somebody says something shitty about me, I'll be like, hey, man, I'm trying really hard and I'm actually a really good dude. Yeah. And then once they get called out for it, yeah. like then they might be like, oh, okay. There's actually – there's one fan – with through sideshow that when we started doing our we do a weekly show mm-hmm. started being he was like an asshole like a huge asshole since he has turned around and it's super supportive super interactive and like a good person and like thanks us for doing the show at the mm-hmm. end of every episode so a lot of times it's important to me to not ignore those people but to try to get them on my side hmm. i'm fucking likable yeah i uh, like me for for me, I I focus on how what I do in the public eye is of service to the people who are paying attention to me. So how can I be of maximum service to the people that support what I do? Uh, and and when I'm focused on the how how can I help? I'm less concerned with if this person thinks I'm a chode for posting this or if like yeah. uh, someone doesn't like something that like, I, I think I tweeted out yesterday, you know, if you're sober, stay that way. Now's not mm-hmm. the time. And it, mm-hmm. and it started flying around the Twitter and like someone commented, like, is anybody else tired of uh, wh- white dudes with perfect beards telling them what to do? Oh, hey, so they nice said you have them. a perfect beard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's, but that's the thing. like, I don't do I I can either fight mm-hmm. or I can be free. And for me, I just know this about myself that I responded to the people that I felt like responding to and uh you know, I know where my message was which was directed at people who are sober, nobody else because right now a lot of people are experiencing the emotions that they want to shut down with drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um that message is for them. It's not for anybody else. So I don't need to defend my position for someone who, who that wasn't for. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. No, I get yeah. you. Like, you could think I'm a, a perfect bearded uh, dick smack, 
for just saying, hey, if you're sober, reach out to people if you're yeah. experiencing turmoil right now. You yeah. Know? And it's, it's how I, I sleep at night because I know that I'm, I'm doing the ultimate best that I can to, to be of service to the people around me with, with, with comedy, with this podcast, uh, with just trying to be a better person than I was nine years ago. You know, mm-hmm. good. Well, good. how that kind of that service mindset, what's one thing you would tell somebody just like you in the world? Whew. Relax. Mm. Do the shit you got to do, but like maybe calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that to me is hard. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it like I'm not saying it to me, but someone just like me because I also work from the objectivity like like i will take to heart what you say about like oh it's not as bad as you think and then i always say like but i'm gonna think it's that bad (laughs) um but when i hear that like like i don't feel a good example for that is like i i work well off of feedback so i would give that feedback of like oh like you're working hard and it shows and you know, you are helping people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was talking to dop- like my doppelganger that's living the exact same life that I have, I would probably tell them like, because I I live off of praise. Like praise keeps me going, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually been a problem with me in relationships when somebody will not give me praise, or will not show me like physical affection in a positive way. Not, I'm not talking about like a, like a hand job in the movies. I'm talking like put your hand on my back and mm-hmm. just let me know like things are okay. That immediately flips a switch for me. Like that's like my love language is reassurance, <laughs> which is so needy. Um, but it's just, it, it, I, I'm a, I'm a fucking, I'm a fool for a compliment mm-hmm. um, because I never got them. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I was obnoxious and I was I, like, I was fat and I was like pretty lazy, but also like vibrating with attention deficit disorder. You know, like I wasn't helpful. So I never heard compliments. I was smart. That's all I got. Mm-hmm. But it was also smart in a level where people were like, oh, you'd actually get good grades. If you tried. If you fucking tried. Mm-hmm. That like, was me. Like, ha- has potential to do better. Mm-hmm was one of those comments that I had gotten so much that when I got it, when I gave it to students, I would bring them to, to my desk one by one and say, I'm going to explain to you why I gave you this and what I think it means and how we can fix this problem. Because, you know, because I think I was a very smart child. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a smart person uh, that is, or at least was limited by the trappings of my behaviors and the behaviors that my brain and body sort of pushed me towards Mm -hmm. in my circumstances. But that being said, just a compliment, just one, like I'll get, I'll get emails and and messages and DMS that are just like, I got one earlier today. That's just like, I know that, you know, the, the days have been rough and you said, you say on your podcast that what you do doesn't matter because you just talk about Batman, but I want you to know it matters I look forward to it. It's my favorite day of the week. And like that one message, that's like fuel for me for like three days. Mark Twain said I could live for a month on a compliment. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I I fuck with that because like I literally never got them as a kid. 
you know, it was always he's smart, but. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Yeah. Especially well, when you're as competitive as I am. Where can people send you compliments? Where can they find <laughs> you on the internet to send you compliments okay. for this podcast? Where so can people you, tell you it's going to be okay, Jeff? Yeah. Okay. So with a digital you, uh, hand. On Twitter and Instagram, you can find me uh, at Hey There Jeffro, H E Y T H E R E J E F F R O. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram. I'm I'm like sort of on Facebook, but not really. And also, even if I was, fuck off. That's I don't want you talking to my mom. That's for my mom <laughs> and like people, like friends that have become gradually racist in high school. Um, you can also check out. Uh, I have three podcasts. Uh, I have. Um, uh, Sideshow Sideshow with Jeff May is every other Tuesday through Sideshow Collectibles. You can find that on Apple Podcasts as well as on YouTube and where all podcasts are found. You can check out Tom and Jeff Watch Batman with me and Tom Ryman on the Gamefully Unemployed Patreon as well as a few free episodes available on SoundCloud as well as You Don't Even Like Sports, the sports podcast for people who don't like sports with my co-host Adam Todd Brown and that can be found on the Unpopular Opinion Network. Yeah. Is this the same Tommy Ryman that's in Minnesota now? Nope. Tom Ryman is a writer for Collider. He used mm. to work for Cracked um, before they purged everybody. And then they started yep. a Patreon as well. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. So get your Tommy Ryman's right and listen to their <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Tom, he's so funny. He said one of the funniest things. Like he did a line yesterday where I texted him earlier today. And I was like, just as a reminder, this is the funniest thing anybody has ever said wow uh, but it's very nerd centric so you got to be like if you like batman you would fucking love tom and jeff watch batman it's one of the funniest things i've ever done yay it's so much fun and it's like we've we done, did like, it hundreds of episodes dave where can people find you you can find me at yates comedy on twitter and instagram uh and if you want to support you can buy my hot sauce at hahahotsauce.com excuse me I make and sell my own brand of hot sauce. It's it's been my it's been my merch for the past six years. It's my own recipe. Is it heat based or is it like vinegar based? Like, what's the selling point of your hot sauce? I would like to know more. So I make it with an orange pear, apple cider vinegar, Roma tomato base. Uh, So apple cider vinegar, not white vinegar, like most typical hot sauces. And then I use the Carolina Reaper, uh, but I don't use a lot of it. So if you like hot, it's like a 7 out of 10 on the heat scale. It's made to go on food, not ruin your meals. Okay. Because I'm like a Frank's guy or a Louisiana hot sauce style guy. This is. I mean, even people that don't like spicy dig it. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a step up from Louisiana hot sauce for sure. It's uh, ideal on pizza pastas um meats uh it's it's good it's good stuff it's latinx latinx approved everybody latinx approved oh. i love it Fuck yeah and you can find me at anna v is found on twitter and instagram you could also find me at annabalanzuela.com for all show dates and information and merch um you can find this podcast at 12 q pod on twitter and instagram uh we're available on all the platforms and we are an unpops podcast so unpops people come on come on come on and um Come on, come on. How we uh, how we end this podcast every time is, Jeff, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Oh, love you, buddy. You. I'm, bu- I'm buying some hot sauce right now. He's buying the hot sauce. And Dave, if nobody's See, told like you this. My PayPal is coming right up there. There you go. Yes. And Dave, if nobody's told you this today, we love you and your hot sauce. Oh, thank you. We love you. There it is. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, guys, we love you. Thanks so much for listening. Love y'all. Thanks for listening. Yay. Bye. Bye.
Mm-hmm.